You're listening to I Fucking Love This Record, a music podcast hosted by me, the Derek Care of You. I hope you enjoy the show. It will be sweet as we talk about Dummy, the debut studio album by Portishead. It was produced by Adrian Utley, and it was released on August 22nd, 1994 by Go Beat Records. The album received critical acclaim, is often credited with popularizing trip-hop, and won the 1995 Mercury Music Prize. It sold nearly 4 million copies worldwide. On the other mic today is a wandering star doing her best to avoid those sour times, Evelyn Ashenbrenner. Welcome back, Evelyn. How you doing? I'm doing really good. Thank you for having me, Derek. Always a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, Looking forward to talking about this one. It's been uh, a lot of fun to revisit. And tell me, how did this album enter your life? It's a a good question. Uh, This album entered my life. I was a a sophomore in high school, and there was this uh, coffee shop called The Zone. And they they had a very eclectic choice of music on their jukebox. And this coffee shop was like the place to hang out. And I remember this album was on the jukebox. And so I remember uh, songs like um, Glory Box or Sour Times being played at this coffee shop. And it just, it was like this sort of dark, smoky, n- the opposite of Starbucks kind of place. Um, <laughs> kind of place, you know, like, you know, bands would play. And, you know, it was just really, really great hangout, really great place place to spend time. And I, that's that's how I first encountered Portishead. And this album was through uh, through that jukebox and through uh, through, through through those songs. Okay. Tell me that you, you saw at least one poetry slam at this place. At least one? <laughs> yeah. At least one, right? Yeah. Poetry slams and jam, jam sessions that ran too long and late nights where you wind up in the back of the parking lot drinking beer and talking about art and life and everything and how you're going to totally make it big after high school. <laughs> well, this sounds like a very cool place and a cool place to uh, to have heard this music. So I first heard uh the single so sour times when it was out so whatever whenever that was let's say 94 95 so it would have been right about my final year of college or university for the uh english people listening in uh and so that was that was out there and i remember hearing it i remember enjoying it uh i want to say that i went to my favorite record store to try to buy it uh, buy the album and they didn't have it or it wasn't in stock or I couldn't find it used or it was more than I wanted to spend. I don't remember exactly. And so I didn't end up getting it at that point. And then uh, a few years later, I ended up dating somebody who was really into all of this kind of music. So she was really, she liked Tricky and the Sneaker Pimps, uh, Maloko, a few other bands like that. And she made me a tape of this album on one side and tricky, I think, pre-millennium tension on the other side. And I really enjoyed both of those. And they have a, a similar sound. And, and one of the songs has the same uh, backing music, essentially. And so this has been a little bit bittersweet listening to because I enjoyed listening to this when we were together. Uh, but the person who introduced this to me uh, passed away last summer. You know, I've been wanting to just send a message like, hey, I'm going to be doing this record. And then I know I can't because, you know, she's not there to hear it. So that's been a little sad sometimes when I think about it. But I've really enjoyed going back and listening. It's been, it hadn't been that long because, like I said, I picked it up on vinyl a few months back before the uh, the world shut down. 
Yeah, I think um, yeah, but both Tricky and Sneaker Pimps are also. I've also I probably two artists I really really like. So I, I do. I really enjoyed uh, Trip Hop when I was talking about its fight in the the late nineties. And I've seen both Tricky and Sneaker Pimps live. And again, uh, Pre Millennium Tension is just that is a great album. So your friend had very good musical taste. <laughs> Yeah, she did. Yeah, she introduced me to quite a few things. And so this was uh, kind of a, a soundtrack to when we first started dating. So we're going to go ahead and get started here uh, with side one, song one, Mysterions. Did you really This just starts right out, you know, the uh, the very opening couple of bars there. Not really sure what's going to be happening here. It's it's nice. It's pleasant. And then once those record scratches kick in, which is in what the first maybe 30 seconds of the song. Uh, and then there's like kind of the, the spooky keys and, and a little bit of a martial beat. And then Beth Gibbons voice, oh, that voice kicks in. And, you know, you're you're in for something special. This is different than a lot of things uh, that you would have been hearing uh, on the radio, at least in America at the time. I, you know, I have a feeling this was much bigger in the UK, probably made a bit of a bigger impact culturally there than it did in the States. But just hearing that and how it was um, putting these, these different things together. And I'm sure the people who were in this particular genre or scene or whatever probably hate the label of trip hop. But I think that does a really great job of encapsulating at least how these early albums sounded, where it's got that kind of, and I know it was also called Downbeat, so it's got that sort of kind of jazzy feel to it, but also with those hip-hop elements in the, uh, not necessarily live drumming, even though this song sounds like a live drum, I'm not sure, but just the, the record scratches and some of the other bands that did this would have a little bit more in regards to sampling. And I don't know how much is actually sampled here because I know for their second album, they actually recorded live instruments and then cut them up and sampled from their own catalog, let's say. <laughs> uh, so that was their approach, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, you know, and it's got just like this really great guitar lick and just the way she sings, Did You Really Want? And with just such desperation, she's got such a gorgeous voice, putting that chilly voice over these mellow but driving songs is just it's fantastic what do you think about this one this song this whole album wasn't was really you know distinct from anything else you were hearing on the radio and even i heard i was started listening this must have been in 96 or 97 so a few years after it came out and just yeah this first song just of it you know there's no holds bar so it gets you right into what, what the album is going to be like and sort of really sets the mood it's sort of it's spooky there's a few little um a few samples here and there, like with the record scratching and just this via yeah, this very sort of interesting, like yeah, trying to describe trip hop is difficult. Cause yeah, it's a little bit jazzy. It's a little bit, little elements of hip hop. It's sort of slow. It's very mellow, but it's just very, it's not mellow in terms of like calm music. It's sort of like it, there's just a good energy about it. And I think this song is really a good sort of a intro and what's what's going to be happening on this album agreed so let's move on to track two sour times 
my anthem when I was a teenager um, that the refrain nobody loved me I mean I'm sorry that's just it's so angsty and the way she sings it her voice is just it's pretty it's delicate it's lilting it's also very sort of the strength behind it and it was just this is angst done really well <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you think of this song well, I, I love this song. Uh, this was a, a great introduction. I can see why they would have uh, released this particular song, just because of the strength of those strings that almost sound like they're being played backwards. Uh, you know, like they recorded the one way and then played back in, in a different way, even though that's probably not the case. That's always just sort of the feel I've gotten from it and just how bold they are. Her singing on this one, they said, so desperate and so delicate. And it's a little bit of a tease in the you know when she says nobody loves me not like you do and so then i wonder i was like there's maybe more of that a little bit of like a flip where you're supposed to think it's sad but it's not because she's it's actually more of it's not a lament as much as it's uh something that's not a lament whatever word it is that i'm looking for and will i'm sure occur to me at four o'clock in the morning but um but then the hook is you know oh you know i all i have are my memories of yesterday oh the sour times so it, I'm still not 100% sure if this is, I am currently in love with you, you are in love with me, everything's fine, even though I'm going to sing about it sad, or if it's, no, this is as sad as it sounds. I'm not really sure, but it's slinky, and like I said, those strings just are such a fantastic hook, and that's just the first thing. Like When you think of this song, this is probably one of the few songs you really think about the instrumentation first before you think about her voice and she has such a beautiful voice that it's hard to, to have anything come that comes second to anything, but just this one is just bold and I, I really like it. And the strings are really nice on this one. And yeah, it's really, yeah, the lyrics, they're hard to, they're hard to decipher here. Like, yeah, it's just, is this a lament? Is this, you know, they're sort of trying to sort of peel down the layers and, and sort of to get out what, what she, what she's singing about. It's definitely not sounding very happy. And yeah, those strings really, really set, set the tone for this song. But yeah, yeah, just the teenage me just absolutely loved this song. <laughs> and I'm hoping you still do, so. Yes. <laughs> Track three, Strangers. this one starts again with like those descending synth sounds and then the hand claps or I don't know if they're actually hand claps, but it has that, that kind of sound to it. Um, and then her vocals start kind of muted. It sounds like it's in the back or some kind of filter over top of them because this one has like two or three parts to begin with the way the synth comes in and then the vocals and then it all comes together where just like that beat just hits in. And so you got the, the, that clapping sound 
and then her her voice comes in and it's just it's really great because it's it's tough to follow up a song like Sour Times. So this is the one that is clearly, if, even if you'd never heard this album before, you could probably guess that was one of the singles just from the, the way it's it's put together. And such a great song that it's, it's hard to follow up songs that good. And I think this is the perfect song because it sets you up a little bit because it takes that extra minute for the song to really coalesce, but in just a fantastic way. So what do you think about this? Well, I think yeah, sort of, the, sort of the, everything sort of coming together. It starts with those very sort of disparate elements when it comes together. Like this, I think, sort of to me is one of the songs that really, when I think about like you know late '90s trip hop, if we're going to go with that label, that this is one of those songs that define it. Just that that beat, sort of that yeah, sort of that slinky, funky hip hop, like hip hop chilled back sound. I think that this song really seems like it just it defines that. It really. It's good. It has a really good pace. And yeah, that's right. It's really hard to follow up a song like Sour Time, which is just between her voice and the instruments and the lyrics are really, really strong. And this is just such a very different sound than the previous song. And I think it's sort of a good choice to put these two, two back to back. Moving on to track four, It Could Be Sweet. What do you think? My inner goth girl really, really likes this song. And I was going to think this album sort of goes, it has sort of um, a few sort of, uh, not waves, but sort of like cycles it goes through. And I sort of, when we talked about Concrete Blonde, I feel like sort of, it's a little bit similar that there's songs that are very up, up tempo and sort of very, um, sort of very, that really captures that trip hop sound. And this is one of the songs where it's slower. It's a lot more sad. It's wistful. Again, it could be sweet. I mean, just the title alone, it's like, it could be, but it's probably not. And you're going to get this lovely, beautiful, lush song explaining why it is not. <laughs> and I think this one's a, a little bit. So, um, what's where I'm looking? So, with sour times, where it has that real feel to it, uh, just from the title, and then here with the it could be sweet. Still, I think leaves room for. It could be sweet, not so much that it's not, that maybe we're heading that way. And I didn't really go in and, and examine the lyrics. I've just been enjoying this one. A lot of times I'd like to at least try to figure that out. But I think this one is pretty sweet. So this doesn't have a lot of the extra stuff going on like uh, some of the other songs. Yeah, I think this one really, like, so some of the songs, like, yeah, her voice is a little bit distorted, and there's all sort of a lot of layers or samples or things happening. And this one, I think, also, like, the song, um, a few other ones, where it seems like it really just rests on the strength of her voice. The, the line that really sticks out to me from the song is, you don't get something for nothing. I, I remember that as a teenager, and I still remember that line now. And again, I don't know all the lyrics to the song, but I remember, I remember that line in particular, where it just seems like... Yeah, I'm not sure if this is a really sad song, but it's definitely, it feels very introspective. And again, that's sort of that very pretty way that, that Gibbons can do with her voice. Oh, definitely. On to track five, Wandering Star. Please, could you stay away to share my 
pulsating rhythm with this one, just the way it starts. And this is one that I could definitely hear being played in a club with it, you know, that's dark and good speakers just pumping out that rhythm and women wearing black dancing slow. I can just see that with this one. Uh, this one is slinky and it's sexy. I don't get any kind of lament from this one. This is a, is a pretty sad album going back and listening to it a little bit closer. And I don't get that much of a feeling of, of any sadness on this one, but it's still wandering, you know? <laughs> uh, so there's that, but I love the the rhythm to this one and the, and the beat to this one. And this is, uh, especially after it could be sweet, which is probably one of the more mellow track. And this is a pretty mellow album all the way through. Uh, and that one is probably one of the more delicate songs, I think is probably a better way to put it. Whereas Wandering Star, this one has some backbone and this one has some room for pumping up the bass in a, in a club and making, and making you move to it. What do you think? I'm almost certain I dance to this song, including thing, including other artists like Peter Murphy and Dead Can Dance at Goth Nights, where yeah, it's just, it's got a very good beat. It, it, it moves, it makes you want to sort of get up and just sort of groove to it. The lyrics are great. I mean, again, this album is not very upbeat, but I feel like this album is a little more, is definitely more upbeat than, than their next one. I feel like with Wandering Star, just it's, again, it's sort of mysterious. Like, is this, is this something really, is this a really depressing song? Is this some, is this something that's really going to pull you down? But at the same time, it's just, it's just, it's up. And again, this is a good energy about it that I'm almost certain I've danced this one before. <laughs> I like it when my instincts are right on. So that's good to hear. <laughs> Okay, so track six, It's a Fire. It's a fire These dreams have passed me by This salvation I desire Keeps getting me down Cause we This is not included on the vinyl LP or the original UK and European versions of the album. However, it was on the album uh, that both you and I had from America. Uh, so what are your thoughts on this one? I think uh, sort of similar to um, It Could Be Sweet. This is one of the, uh, this is one of the songs where uh, Gibbon's voice and also the lyrics really carry it, where, carry it, where it's, just, it's, a very, it's a very sort of uh, uh, slow and sweet and sad song. And it's just very, very pretty. And I think, and this is some of the, the lyrics that really stick out in my mind was the, the life is a farce. I can't breathe through this mask. And somehow she managed to make those two words rhyme. And I think especially during this uh, current COVID times where anything about wearing a mask sort of rings quite true. But um, I really like this one where it's just, it feels, it feels wistful. It feels, it feels, sounds pretty. And again, it's sort of, it's like the sort of, after the the energy of Wandering Star, which again is a you know is a danceable <laughs> for Portishead song, this one just kind of seems like a way to sort of like you know take the energy of the album down just a little bit. What do you think? When I first started doing notes for uh, for the show, I was listening to it through Spotify, and so of course I, I listened to it. But then when I went to go you know I kind of solidify everything I was listening to it on the on the vinyl like hey I bought it on on record I might as well listen to it and so I didn't have notes for this <laughs> at first because I just didn't I'll be honest I didn't miss it and I think be, main, be, mainly because of the placement 
Whereas finishing with Wandering Star and then having to get up and flip the record over, It's a Fire is a nice song and it's it's a nice song to listen to straight through. But I noticed with the record, I, I didn't miss that it was there or that it wasn't there, I should say. It's just really kind of an organ accompaniment in the background. And it does sound a little bit different from the rest of the record. Now, had I not known this wasn't included, I probably wouldn't have noticed that quite as much because I was always so used to just listening to this all the way through. When you mentioned with the, the mask, that obviously stuck out in <laughs> in a very different way than it would have had we listened, done this album last summer. You know, Definitely. I, I won't have as much to say. So it being uh, unwittingly fitting, <laughs> I thought was kind of funny. I don't have a whole lot to say about it, just being, mainly because I, I ended up uh, inadvertently skipping it <laughs> quite a few times by listening to it on, on a different uh, medium. Well, I guess also, like I do, I, I do, I really appreciate like, goth music and sort of like, you know, slower, sadder stuff. And so, and this is quite stripped down. There's not like a lot of the other songs, you know, these sort of layers of beats and samples and instruments and, and other things. And this is very, just very simple. Yeah, it sounds like maybe it's an organ playing. And I guess manage the strength of her voice that carries it. And nothing wrong with that, because as we've said a few times, beautiful, beautiful voice, such a perfect instrument for this type of music. Yes. So that brings us to the end of side one of Dummy by Portishead on I Fucking Love This Record with my special guest, Evelyn Ashenbrenner. Uh, so here we're going to talk a little bit about uh, your YouTube channel, which I think we touched on uh, for seasons one and two. So uh, anybody who is now listening here in season three, go back and check out Evelyn and I talking about Nirvana's uh, Unplugged record and Concrete Blonde's Bloodletting. So those are both really good shows and you should listen to them. So we talked a bit about that. So let's uh, continue to promote Detroiter in Poland. So tell me a little bit more about this uh, channel that you're running. So I've been doing it for about a year. And my focus has mainly been uh, sort of lefty politics and particularly sort of lefty politics in Poland because there's sort of there's a, a lot of sort of lefty or left tube sort of bread tube channels out there that talk about leftist politics. But I wanted something that, that wasn't an American focus, even though I am American. So I talk a lot about, well, you know, my focus is on Poland and also about um, uh, queer issues and other things like that. And how often do you update? I try to get a video every two weeks. If I have a video that's a lot more, like I've got a few videos that are quite long where I do a lot, a little more analysis, those take me about a month. But usually I try to do every two weeks. I've been, I've been doing every two weeks during quarantine because <laughs> I have a bit more time. What's uh, what's your process? Uh, are you do you have let's say a list of ideas and then you just sort of grab one? And do you start researching a bunch of things and something coalesces? Do you wait for something to be specific in the news or do you not have a not, not have a, quite a process yet? That's sort of all of those, because um, I, I do. I have a list of ideas that I'm, I'm slowly working on. If I had, you know, unlimited time, I would uh, get more videos done. But um, I usually, when I want to do something, I have a, a woman I work with who sort of looks things over and makes sure that you know I'm not totally running my mouth or uh, going to get myself sued. <laughs> and so I do like to spend a bit of time sort of editing and researching the scripts that I do. And often when I have one idea, it will lead into other ones. Like um, the last video I did was about the anti-stay-at-home protests in Michigan, where I looked at, like, so, you know, there's this idea that, okay, that anti-stay-at-home protesters are weirdos waving Confederate flags. And, like, actually some of the people involved in those protests are just 
freaked out about the economic situations and things. And this week I'm going to be looking at that the stay-at-home protest put in Poland. So looking forward to seeing more on that. And obviously with uh, with you being from Michigan, I'm sure that's uh, that's touched a bit of a nerve. And I thought it was interesting how you obviously didn't come at it just from this is these are just a bunch of idiots and so that you know some people do have legitimate concerns that unfortunately are getting drowned out by well idiots with confederate flags in fucking michigan so <laughs> just, uh, just, i saw the whole stuff about what was happening in michigan I'm like what is my home state doing and one of the newspapers had they had a they had like an hour-long live stream of the protest and i'm like why not i'm just gonna watch this while i do dishes and I mean, there are, of course, assorted weirdos with MAGA hats, but there's also some, again, people holding up signs saying, you know, I want to go back to work and, you know, is my job essential or not? And yeah, I think that, you know, again, I don't know. I, I, I think also like in Poland, the protests have also been sort of fueled by economic uncertainty. And is the government doing enough to support small businesses and people who want to get back to work? And again, it's easy to look at people like, oh, they're just, you know, a bunch of Trump loving lunatics, but again, there's actually some legitimate concerns that people have that I think are getting. Duran Ox, again, I sort of I feel like news now it's very easy to look at like what get likes or what gets clicks or what gets reshared or tweeted. It's actually taking more time to sort of step back and really like look into a topic. Everything doesn't have to be in the 15 second soundbite, so uh, I appreciate the work that you're doing. Thank you. And now let's hear from one of our friends. Hi, I'm John, an amateur musician and dad. And I'm Harrison, his younger brother and a recovering know-it-all. And we host a podcast called Play Disc. John is open-minded and well-versed in music theory and composition. And Harrison is extremely online and reflexively contrarian. Hey, I'm not reflexively contrarian. Who wrote this copy? Every other Tuesday, we host a discussion on a different full album showcasing our contrasting energies. And our idiosyncrasies, like John tying everything back to the Beatles. Or Harrison insisting everything is a ska song. Play Disc is available anywhere you get podcasts from. New episodes every other Tuesday. Catch, Catch you, you on, on the, the B-side. B-side. And now, back to the show. All right, so we're going to flip the record over. Side two, track seven, Numb. And I really like how this one starts out. This is another one that they kind of mess around at the very beginning. It's got kind of this hollow sound to the drums. They almost sound like uh, steel drums. And it's not. It's just the way that they're mic'd up. But it feels like the toms or whatever are just are pulled really tight and recorded with kind of that echo. So it's got really like this different sound to it. It's a lot sparser, I think, than a lot of the other songs. Uh, whereas, you know, It Could Be Sweet has that not a... Uh, a whole lot of stuff going on, but that organ really dominates the background. Whereas this one just feels like there's, you know, there's cracks in it and there's, there's space in it that you don't get in a lot of the other ones. The line uh, that uh, that's repeated a few times is this, this loneliness won't leave me alone, which could be super cheese in almost anybody else's hands, but her voice, the way she sings it, her, her reading of that line really just works and you can feel 
loneliness is almost personified for her. And the only thing she wants to leave her alone is loneliness. And that works. I don't know why it works. It shouldn't work in a way, but it does. And that's just really, I don't often talk about lyrics on this show, but that's just one that that one always kind of sticks out to me. And I, I really like that. And just the, the whole song as it, as it piles in together is, is I think really good. Nice way to start track uh, side two. What do you think? Yeah, I, I really, really like this song. Because again, I mean, from the title, Numb, you're expecting this, you know, this very sort of downbeat, sad, lying on the floor feeling song. But again, actually, there's actually good energy to it. It, it does. It sounds very sparkler. It, it's a good energy to it. I feel like it it moves a lot quicker than and um, its fire does. I think only Beth Gibbons can rhyme the words lonely and unholy and make it work and not have it be like. <laughs> There's spider web, fake spider web dripping off your hair and you're wearing too much white, white, white makeup. Like she really just the power of her voice again, just, it's just, it feels, yeah, there's like this aching longing. It just, it's very, very beautiful. And she, she really pulls it off on this song. Track eight roads. you think here well speaking of songs about lying on the floor um this song (laughs) will make you want to lie on the floor and contemplate the every all of existence after listening to it um i love this song it's beautiful it's very slow it's very sad it's just it strikes this very sort of this this deep deep profound melancholy and when i listen to this song this song was featured in uh the movie tank girl and the, the scene that the song was in was uh, Lori Petty, and she had just been captured by the evil water and power guys. And she was going to she was going to take a shower, and she pulls on the shower thing, and it is it's not water; it's just dust that sprays on her. And so she's at the end of like this long day, and she's this very bedraggled punk rock looking woman being sprayed with this dust. And this song really it evokes a mood; it captures it very well. It just is. I love it. Again, it's very hard to get a, sl- a song this slow and this sad to really work, but Portisode really makes it work. What do you think? Yeah. And the thing with this one, it feels most like a fairly standard song of almost anything on this album, with maybe the exception of It's a Fire, because this one doesn't have a lot of the extra stuff going on with it. I don't. Re- there's not a lot of uh, additional per, uh, production. It feels the most like if you heard the song, you wouldn't necessarily walk away with an understanding what the rest of the album would sound like. But it is a beautiful song. And like you said, just one that that makes you sit and think (laughs) for a little while. Uh, Yeah, I really, I really like this one. But I I just, I thought that this is the one that felt to me like one of the first songs that they wrote. I don't know that at all. uh, But it just had that they hadn't quite the, the placement on the album. It wasn't something that they had initially thought of in that context, if that makes any sense. I like it. And that's what I got to say about that. So moving on to track nine, Pedestal. 
she sings with a bit of an accent that doesn't sound like a British accent. And so I don't know what, you know, she just something about the, her pronunciation here sounds like she's going for something. I just don't know what that something is. And it's not distracting. It's not annoying. It's not like offensive or anything. It's just that that's the one thing I noticed with this one. That there's just something going on with the way she sings. Uh, and after the slightly more standard approach of Rhodes, this one, I feel like it dips back into their usual bag of tricks, the, the record scratches and a couple of other things. And this is the only one I feel like it gets just a little bit repetitive by the end. And fortunately, it's not a very long song. So it's not one that wears out its welcome necessarily. But I think after kind of just that standard beauty of Rhodes, this one, it feels like just a little bit much just towards the end. What do you think? Yeah, I think you're, I, I was looking over the notes that I have. I think at Pedestal, I've got the least amount of notes about. And yeah, you know, it, it's, it's, it's funky. It was almost like it's trying too hard to be sort of that upbeat, funky. It's, it, it wants to be Wandering Star. It just doesn't quite click. I mean, it's a good song. I, I mean, I, this album is solid. But again, yeah, I think coming right after Numb, I feel like, yeah, that the mood change doesn't quite work because not coming right after coming right after Rhodes. I don't think the mood change the mood change really works because this song is just a little bit too upbeat, and Rhodes is just so down that I feel like maybe it's just the placement. I wonder if I would go back and listen to it not in sequence if it would sound different for me. Sure. And you know, sequencing is obviously so important. And sometimes you sometimes it works well, like we said before, with uh, following up Sour Times. And this one, it just doesn't quite, because it almost felt like they had a certain amount of tricks that they needed to use. And they found, oh, we didn't use any for Rose. We have so many extra tricks. Let's throw them all on the pedestal, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, feel like, oh, I also sort of feel like with a lot of the songs, like, Either the the groove really like the beat really gets gets me or some of the lyrics do. And with pedestal, neither of those things really do it for me. Neither the beat or the lyrics really or the or singing really clearly does it for me. I can agree with that one. Track ten, biscuit. Maybe depending on where you are. I don't know. What do you think? Um, actually, this is another one where I don't have a ton of notes on this song. It feels again, it feels a little bit more stripped down than the other ones, but it's just it feels very sad, very pretty. This might have been a better song to lead after Rhodes than Pedestal. What do you think? I was just thinking that as well. I get I think towards the end it gets really noisy. And there's the because there's the hook here with the never fall in love again. And the, with the, the manipulation of that voice, and I don't even think it's her singing it most of the time, and because it's or or they've really done something to her voice with that one, uh, and so that's the the repetition of it, the never fall in love again, and it's sometimes a little bit slower and it sounds a little bit deeper, and at the end there's a lot of record scratching, and I wondered if this would have come right after Rhodes and then led into Pedestal, if that would have had a, a better flow. Maybe, maybe not, because this is a, a bit more on the downbeat. Just it, it works. I like this one better than Pedestal, uh, even though it's you know it's a little bit long, so it's just over five minutes. 
I don't, I just don't necessarily need that much record scratching in my life, <laughs> but I'm more or less okay with it. So yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, so, uh, this, this is the one I was never able to tell if that was her voice being distorted or somebody else. Yeah. I have no idea. Uh, and it, cause it doesn't sound like it could be her, but whatever it is that they're doing, there's just as good of a chance it is her. <laughs> right. uh, then I, I'm, I'm not really sure. So, and, and I, I like that part of it. So that the just the the repetition of the never fall in love again is is fine. But it's just the the record scratches get to get to me sometimes at the end there. So that brings us on to the final track, track eleven, Glory Box. I fucking love this song. I love this song. And I like how it slowly comes in. So that's one of those that if you're not paying attention, there's probably this song is going for about 30 seconds before you really hear it. So it, it kind of plays into it. And it's just got that killer bass line that comes from Ike's rap uh, by Isaac Hayes that was also used on the Tricky record. It's just one of the all-time great bass lines. Uh, and I just realized we haven't really talked about the bass playing on this record. And I think initially I had some notes with that and forgot, you know, in my head and forgot to write them down. As much as everything else is going on, you know, we, we've talked about some of the sampling and we've talked about the, the record scratches and we've talked about our voice. The bass does a ton of good work on this record. And I don't know if they have just the one bass player or uh, I forgot to, to take a look at that, but there's a lot of great bass playing on this now, this is obviously, like I said, a sample. But man, this song is fucking sexy. I, well, I think it's meant to be. So unlike some of the other ones where there's, you know, this lament is about you know being a woman and all that that entails. And you know, I think you know w whether she's using that to to her advantage or whether she's feeling um, put off by it. Or I, I think it just depends on how you want to read it at the time. The way she sings and just putting this all together, this is such a fantastic way to go out. Uh, what do you think about this one? This, yeah, this is a great one. I think production-wise, it sort of, it, it sneaks up on you sort of on purpose. I like how they sort of, the, the song is already playing and it sort of sounds like they just sort of turn the volume up. And so it's sort of this feeling of maybe she's like, either you're walking into a club or she's approaching you. And yeah, it's just it's this it's this slow sort of yeah, sexy slinky kind of lament where it's like this one of them where it's so tired of playing with this bow and arrow, and yeah, it's it's good, it's really good. Just the, the lyrics are great, the instruments are great, the all of it just it works really really well. I think it's a very solid way to go out on this album. So it, it ends the same way where it's like the, the song is still happening. It's like you're leaving the club because like someone like or someone is just turning the volume down on it. 
Yeah, I was going to say it does that come it comes up and then it goes back down. And so it's it's one thing cuz it's not that unusual for, you know, a pop song or a rock song to just sort of fade out the way that does, but that they do both the fade in and the fade out, I think is pretty cool cuz uh, I never quite thought of it that way of you know, you're kind of walking into the music and then walking out of the music. So that's a a terrific way to think about that. So, and have you ever heard uh, you know, Faith No More would occasionally uh, cover this one live? They never recorded it, but there's a, the occasional live, just maybe like a minute of it or two. But it's pretty cool hearing Mike Patton sing that he um, just wants to be a woman. That would be an amazing line here. Because, yeah, that's a great line, too, that I just and I, I, lines I remember from lyrics that I remember from this album is, is that the one that just wants I, I'm not going to try try to sing it. I don't, my voice can't match hers. But, yeah, that just yeah, that's sort of that very plaintive. A very sort of sensual cry that she just wants to be a woman. That's, yeah, oh, magnificent. Yeah, and that breakdown, like right towards the end, when the drums kind of pick up, and then her that that effect on her voice, and and then it drops right back down to the bass line, is just so cool because it gets really kind of noisy, and she just lets out like a not so much a scream, but she hangs, and I, and now of course the words just dropped out of my brain, but she hangs on that word, and then boom, and then to back to that awesome baseline all right so that's the uh, uh the final track there so evelyn what are your final thoughts about this record i love this album i just this is again sort of like the my introduction to portishead and also some of my introduction to trip-hop and i i, I sort of discovered a lot of other great bands for this album like like, like tricky and sneaker pimps and and even I think like some later Switchblade Symphony also sort of like this trip hop sound. So this, that certain sound is sort of permeated into to some goth music and some dark wave music too. And just really, really good. Just I mean, her her vocals are spot on. The sound of this album is just amazing and fresh and just very good vibe from this album. And it's been really sort of fun going back and re-listening to it because I remember like as a teenager I had this on CD and I would play it on repeat. <laughs> And it was sort of nice going, having a chance to sort of sit sit down with it and really, and really listen listen to it very closely again. What about you? What, what do you think? I like that you use the word fresh because that's one thing that I kept coming back to is how fresh this album still sounds. And with something so associated, and again, this is just from America. I know it's it's a bit different in England, but how associated this album is with trip hop, and that it doesn't feel like. 1995. I mean, it reminds me of times around then just because of who introduced it to me and things that were going on, but the sound itself doesn't feel stuck and it still just sounds great. And it was a little bit difficult to take this one apart because with the exception of glory box, which I have put on a couple of different playlists and sour times, which was the single, I don't think I've ever cherry picked this album. I haven't gone back and because as much as like I like Wandering Star, I can't remember just I'm just going to listen to Wandering Star and, and then go. So I may do that with Glory Box, but if not, I'm listening to this whole album and it almost feels more like a jazz album in the way that these instead of 11 tracks, it feels like 11 suites almost, if that makes any sense, and that it's moving and to, to try to actually pick it apart. Like I, I feel like Rhodes, I'm sorry, I feel like Pedestal and Biscuit I liked a little bit less just by looking at it closely, but just letting it play. I don't think that they probably bother me nearly as much as I felt when I'm examining it a little bit closer. And I think that's a pretty strong testimony to how really good this record is. And 
and and how strong of the production it is and and again just how beautiful her voice is and how that really just ties everything together and it's a fantastic statement and uh, i really liked the second record that came out uh which was self-titled uh the the live album was fun because i saw them live for that second album and the place i saw them somewhere in orlando and that place was so packed i never once saw the band and that has never happened to me before. I mean, I am, I'm not the tallest person in the world, but I'm at about six feet. I rarely have a problem with at least seeing something <laughs> from a concert. You know, I mean, I've been to like a gigantic, I've seen Metallica play with the, you know, in front of, you know, I don't know, 20,000 people and could still see them, you know, mm-hmm. but I don't, I couldn't, I not for even one second did I see the band play. They sounded great, but I could somebody could have been playing a big trick on me. It could have been a record. I have no idea. An interesting show. <laughs> yeah, but the, the second album, if I remember, the second album was a lot darker and a lot more somber. It's a lot more. I love me. It's funny because, like, as a teenager, I loved their second album a lot more because oh, this is sad. I want this sad. Bring out all this sad. I'm going to lie on the floor and listen to it and be sad. But now, sort of re-listening to it, this one is just—it's great. And a wandering star has been added to a number of my playlists. I've heard it at clubs. Um, Rhodes also added from uh, the Tank Girl soundtrack, and um, I know I've heard Sour Times, and, um, like, in other contexts of assignments. But yeah, I really I love listening to this album as a whole because I feel like it all just—it flows together, it works together really well. It just very well produced album, and yeah. Okay, so I would like to encourage, along with listening to this record, if you have not done so already, uh, if you have the time when you're on YouTube, uh, why don't you search for Detroiter in Poland, and eventually, or right at the beginning, you will find Evelyn. You can check out the videos that she does. They're really they're really good and a lot of fun to watch. Uh, if you have the opportunity, please like, subscribe, and or leave a review. Write me a review. I don't know if anybody's written me a review yet, and that, that would be kind of cool if somebody did that. And then other people will see that review and then more people will listen to the show, which would be great because I put a lot of effort into this and I would like for more people to listen to it. That would be fun. Evelyn, thanks for coming by and goodbye. Thank you for having me. Have a great night. You're listening to I Fucking Love This Record, a music podcast hosted by me, the Derek Care of You. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you for listening. You can find all of our episodes at lovethisrecord.com. Intro and outro music by The Ashes of Grissom. And thanks as always to original patron, Mark Evers.